Second uh, Chronicles, um, the seventh chapter, and the fourteenth verse. And when you find it, you can please um, acknowledge this word by standing to your feet, or you may keep your seat if you're not able to stand. That's fine, just as long as you got the word and you you can receive it. Um, Second Chronicles seven and uh, fourteen. If you got it, can you say Amen? It reads in this manner, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You you may be seated in the presence of the Lord, and and I want to look at this verse and preach from the thought this morning, we serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. If I may be so bold as to say so, I believe that Hurricane Chapel is a great church. Uh, It is a shining light in a dark world. It is a great church because it is built upon the solid foundations of the word of God, the will of God, but is also built upon the ways of God. It is a great church because we are not ashamed of our past, our convictions, our worship, our standards, and we're not ashamed of our Lord. I believe it is a great church because Jesus Christ is honored by the people who attend this church. It is a great church because we are not looking for a new hymn book, a new rule book, or a new good book. This church is great because it is a place where the Savior is exalted, the saints are edified, and sinners are evangelized. When I came here some few years ago, I was wondering what kind of church I would find And almost 10 years later, uh, I can tell you the kind of church that I found. I found a church that was solid in its doctrine, secure in its direction, and it was sold out in its devotion. I found a church that was hungry, uh, hopeful, a church that was healthy, and a church that was looking to become even more happier. I found a people who were ready and a people who were willing and able to go where God wanted them to go. I found what I say a great church made up of great people, but more importantly serving a great God. I'll say it again, Hurricane Chapel is a great church. And I want to look at this because I believe that when you read certain scriptures in the Bible that grip your heart, uh, you'll find yourself understanding biblical models throughout the Bible that teach you how to live and be more like him. The context of this verse, uh, it relates to the dedication of the temple under King Solomon. God has just finished demonstrating his acceptance of the new house of worship by sending fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice which was built with the altar. He filled the temple, the Bible says, with his great glory. And the people worshipped their God with praise, humility, 
sacrifices, and several days of celebrations. Then God comes on to speak to uh, King Solomon. God tells Solomon that he will bless Israel if they will do simple, this something simple by honoring the Lord. But if they refuse, he goes deeper and he makes a point and tells them that there will be some serious consequences. However, our text promises them that God will hear them, help them, and heal them if they will return to him in humble repentance. There are some key points I want to make this morning that I think it's important, and we know already we serve an awesome God. We know that. There are no questions about who God really is and how awesome he is. But the first thing every person must do to understand how awesome he is is to acknowledge your connection to God. The scripture says, if my people, God claims those who are in a faith relationship with him. He purchased them and he owns them. Uh, there is an intimate relationship that's acknowledged in these verses. In fact, the relationship that we have with God is far more intimate than that of a master and of his servant. It is even more intimate than a God and his worshipers. And so whenever you come to church, you ought to come with an expectant spirit. Whenever you get into the presence of God, you ought to get into a place where you acknowledge who he is and what he is about to do for your life. Your relationship matters to the Lord. Your relationship ought to be intimate to him that you have more than just something that makes you feel good, but you have something buried on the inside that keeps you going when you don't feel good. Uh, so many shallow people in today's churches make me wonder why people quit so easily and leave so fast, uh, giving up on the, the principles of God to, because they're upset with people, uh, turning their back on a commitment that they made to the Lord because they can't have it their way. We've got to recognize that the church has always been built upon the foundation of the word of God. It's never been built on our feelings. It's never been built on our agendas. And so you have to have a connection to God to, to remain a Christian in this world. We ought to thank God that we have an intimate relationship with him. The fact that he would love us in spite of our sins, that he will save us by his grace, adopt us into this new family, bless us in more ways than we can imagine, and then take us home to be with him in glory. It's a, it's a little bit too much for us to comprehend, but you ought to be grateful that when you are called upon and he recognizes you as his people, that ought to mean something to you. It ought to mean something that you're in the family of God. I, I don't know what it is about today, but a lot of people don't think it's important to be part of this family. He's giving you the opportunity in spite of all of your faults and all of, of your failures. He still loves you anyway. I, I know it doesn't make you shout, but not only does this writer talk about 
this from the standpoint of identifying us and saying, if my people, but he also goes deeper and says, called by my name. Watch this. These people who have been redeemed by the Lord are also identified with him. They bear his name before a world that does not even know him. They carry with them, and every step they take, the responsibility of living like they belong to him, that we're supposed to live and conduct ourselves like we are the children of God. Uh, that is the responsibility of every child of God. The first step in making our church even greater is to acknowledge our connection to God. How do I do that? I need to be honest and say it. Uh, I don't know where we would be if we didn't have the Lord. You don't know where you would be if God was not ordering your steps. Uh, if you look back over your life and all of the things that you've been through uh, and the things that you've come out of, uh, the only one you can acknowledge that helped you was really God. God was there when no one else was. God was there when you dealt with some things that you couldn't even mention publicly. He was there, and so your connection to him makes a difference. It makes a difference when you have a relationship with God. Not only should you acknowledge your connection to God, but also we should accept the challenge of God. The Bible talks about this, and I believe it's something that we need to hear this morning. He says we need to humble ourselves and pray. In fact, in the context, Israel was to come to the place where they admitted that they could not help themselves out of their problems. They were also to turn away from their idols and their false gods. And they were to admit that they could not help them either. They were challenged to admit their total dependence upon the Lord Jehovah. And this is the same challenge that we face today. If we want the Lord's power on in our lives and even in our church, then we've got to come to the place where we admit that our rituals and our abilities, our organizational things and our feeble attempts at worship will never get the job done for the glory of God. We have to come to the place where we humble ourselves before God and admit that we can do absolutely nothing without him. That's why it's important that we have a relationship with him that's beyond what we do publicly. Because anybody can sing a song. Anybody can preach a sermon. Anybody can shout on Sunday morning. Anybody can do that. But he's not calling for people to just come and put on a show on Sunday morning. We, we got a whole lot of folk who put shows on Sunday morning. They, they come and they direct and they sing and they preach and they pray. A lot of people look like they got it on Sunday but follow them when they leave the building. I can't hear nobody. Anybody can look like they got it together in here, but we're called on to be a force to be reckoned with when we leave the building. Because you can have an anointing, but you can also still be annoying. You, you, you can have God in your life, but you can also be a place where people don't want you around them either. You hear me now? 
I understand the connection to God. That's why it's important that you acknowledge who he is. And that's, let's just face it. That there are times when we think we can actually do it ourselves. We might not admit it, but this is how we feel. And this is how we act from time to time. Now, I want to let you in on a little secret this morning. Here's the secret this morning. You can't do nothing without him. In fact, let, let's hear this clearly. You cannot do anything without him. When you fall before him, humble yourself at his feet, admit your total dependence upon him, then trust me, that's when doors start opening for you. A lot of reasons why doors don't open for some of us is because we're too self-centered. And we think everything is about us. And we think everybody is, should be worshiping us instead of God. But the truth is, if we ever get to the place where we understand this truth, I promise you, then God's power will be moved in our lives. He can move in power, but, but we have to make sure that we understand the presence of God when he shows up. We got to get to a place where we give him praise, not because we got a new house or a new car. But you ought to give him praise because you're alive. Not because somebody shouted when we were preaching or shouted when we were singing. But we give him praise because he's been good to us. Everybody ought to thank God for the grace that he provides. And I don't understand it, but when you, get to, when you humble yourself before God, you're basically admitting that we have no faith in our own ability. That's why it's hard to, to capture people's attention in terms of worship when their mind is everywhere else. You ever notice in church everybody where people's mind be at? You ever look around? Try not to, but you ever do it? Yeah, I don't, you ever notice everybody got something going on? You, you know, I, while I'm preaching sometime, I'm looking at y'all and y'all don't even know where yet. You, you don't even know you're in church. Uh, but but if, I was, if my sermon was on Facebook, you would catch me some Sundays. Uh, if I was on Instagram while I'm preaching live, you'd catch me because that's where a lot of you at. If I was out somewhere else doing something, your attention would be there. But the reality is uh, God is the one that's taking care of you. And so he should get your undivided attention. Come on, talk to me. Your cell phone should not be more important than God in church. Come on, talk to me. Here's what I got here. When you humble yourself before him, watch this here, you are calling on his name in prayer, proclaiming your faith in his ability, and you understand that you have to, at times, bow in his presence if you want some humility in your life. Sometimes you got to be brought down so God can lift you up. Doors don't open for people who are not grateful to God. No, you don't get the breakthrough in your life when you don't give God the credit that he deserves. He's not going to bless you and do wonderful things for you if he can't even trust you in church service. If you sleep in church the whole service, uh, something's wrong. I know, I know. I know, I know you get a nap every now and then. 
but watch this here. He not only deals with, you say, well, how do I know this to be true? It, it's, it's, it's in the text. Where is it at in the text? He talks about seeking my face. It's there, y'all. Uh, the expression means to seek, to inquire, to, re to even uh, to request. Uh, in other words, uh, I, I have this yearning to enter into the presence of God. Uh, something about God that makes me want to be more like him. So, so every day I'm striving to be more like him. I make my mistakes, but I get up and I keep on trying to get closer to him. I'm not perfect, but I'm humbling myself to the point where I have a thirst and a hunger for him. Listen, I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm striving. I'm really trying to get to a place where there's complete and total dependence upon him. I don't know how I'm going to make it, so that means I'm clinging to him even more. I don't know when he's going to do it, but I believe he's going to do it because I have total dependence on him. You cannot even put one foot in front of the other without God. You, you can't do it by yourself. Stop thinking that it's about you and realize that it's in him that you live, move, and have your being. Let, let's be honest this morning. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto this death. Uh, David says, one thing I have desired of the Lord uh, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life uh, to behold the beauty of the Lord uh, and to inquire in his temple. Uh, he also goes on to say, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. Uh, I shall be satisfied when I awake. And he goes deeper and said, as the he says, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You got to have a hunger for the things of God. Just like you get hungry and you stop at every restaurant between now and the time you get home, you ought to have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. This ought to excite you. If you're getting up on Sunday morning and you don't want to come to Hurricane Chapel and you mad before you get here, listen, pray and ask God to send you where you're happy at. Amen. Don't come to church mad. I don't want to be here. Listen, if you don't want to be here, listen, we don't want you here. Because we need you to come with the right attitude and feel good about the presence of the Lord. And when you're going through, we want to help you through it. We want to encourage you to live for God and be more about the things of God. Don't be negative in your approach because I just told you we serve an awesome God. And when you come to church, it ought to be reflective when you come through the door. I'm glad to be here. I'm singing unto the Lord. I'm not singing to get a check. I'm singing. I'm not preaching to get a check. I'm doing this because I serve an awesome God. I'm not here to, to get accolades from people or make people like me. I'm here because God's been good to me. 
this is your relationship. And so he deals with this text and he talks about the challenge to be different. That's why he says you got to turn from your wicked ways. We're almost there. Listen to this here. He says that we have to talk about the discipline of repentance. It is a challenge to live clean and holy before the Lord for everybody. But the people of Israel, they're told in the text to turn from their wicked ways. Whenever you're turning from your wicked ways, uh, from one thing, you're naturally turning to something else. If you want the Lord to bless you like he can, then we've got to search our hearts and say, if he is an awesome God, then I've got to change some things in my life. I know that change is not one of those popular words in church, but everybody, everybody who need God to do something ought to be willing to change something. Something ought to change. And it's only then that the writer says that he will hear us and he will heal from heaven, forgive our sins, and then heal our land. Watch this, y'all. Wherever we go, God is there. Whatever we do, God already knows. And whatever you need, God's already got it. You, you don't have to worry about anything. God's got this under control. And when you understand he got this under control, not only does he say two things, that he will hear us, but the second thing is he says he'll help us. Now, I don't know if you, how you feel about help, but every now and then help, uh, help is hard to find. But every now and then when you get some help, you ought to tell them thank you for helping you. You ought to be able to tell the Lord, thank you for helping me through this trying time of my life. I know many people don't ever stop and thank him for how good he's been. But you've been a witness, you ought to be a witness this morning that every time you call on God, he makes a way for you. You, you ought to be a witness this morning that, that every time you depend on him for something, he not only blesses you with that, he, do, he go far and beyond that. Every time you look back over your life, uh, let's be honest this morning, every time you look back over your life, uh, you can count the times that people were there with you every step of the way. But every time you look back, God was there every step of the way. Every, moment by moment, uh, step by step, God was walking with you. And, and, you, and you've got to give him praise for what he's done for you. Really. I mean, let's, let's just be honest this morning. If anybody deserves to be praised, don't you think God ought to be praised for what he's done for you? Come on now, I'm talking about what he's done for you. you don't, I'm not talking about your neighbor, I'm talking about you because you know your predicament was bad. But God was still good. You know your back was against the wall and the wall was about to fall down. But God showed up at the nick of time and helped you through it. There were some days you couldn't see. God was your eyes. God was your ears. There were some days that were tough. And God was with you every step of the way. That's why Sunday morning ought to never be quiet. That's why when you come to church, you ought to bring some noise when you come. Y'all hear me? When you come to church, it ought to be loud in church. Uh, you want to have church quiet like that, then you ought to go to the library. You, you ought to go to the cemetery. You, you, you ought to go somewhere in the woods somewhere. Ain't nobody else at. But when you come to the sanctuary, there ought to be some noise in the sanctuary. People ought to be praising the name of the Lord because we understand how bad it's been. 
we understand our struggles and we made it over because of the grace of God. And I'm sorry, I'm not coming to church and sitting still and acting like he's never done nothing for me. If he's been good to you, you ought to show a sign every now and then. You ought not wait until your neighbor touch you and tell you to praise him. You ought to be praising him long before you sit by your neighbor. When you look back over your life, it's nobody but God been good to you. And so when I look at this text and I see if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and then he says he'll heal their land. I don't know where you're living, but we need him to heal our land. I, I don't know what your life looked like, but you, you need him to heal our land. And I thank God that he shows us grace at every turn. Anybody ever thank him for the grace that he provides? When you come clean to the Lord, the Lord, uh, he will bless you with his power. When you're serious about your relationship with him, he'll do things for you that man can't do for you. When I speak of the church, I'm not talking about bricks and mortar. I'm not talking about lights and carpet not dealing with pews and even hymn books. Uh, when I'm speaking about church, I'm talking about you because you make up the church. Uh, you, talk, you talk about the beauty of grace. There's, no, there's no, no way to describe grace other than by the grace of God. You, you can't describe how good he's been to you. When you think about the, and talk about the beauty of grace, um, you know, I, I remember, and I'm leaving now, I remember being pulled over a few years ago and let's just say I was pulled over for going a bit over the speed limit. Uh, Y'all know the story. Uh, the police officer, he approached my car, wanted two things. He wanted my license and registration. Went back to his car. And you know what they do, ready old in all the information. Came back and gave me a ticket. When he brought me the ticket, I was thinking even during that moment that he wasn't demonstrating grace to me. I don't think he was demonstrating grace because, uh, you know, I, I knew I was wrong, but I needed him to fix it. I need him to de demonstrate grace, and I didn't, I didn't care to share it with him even at that moment. But I got the penalty. Watch this here. I, I, got, I got the just penalty for my crime. Y'all missing this. He didn't show me any grace. I got what I deserved. I was wrong, and I got what I deserve. You're about to get this. Uh, but what if he had shown me some grace? What would it look like if he would have shown me grace? Pulls me over, comes to the car, gets my information, goes back, radios the information in, comes back, tells me to slow it down, and let me go. But that's not really grace either, is it? How about if he pulls me over and he writes the ticket out, but then he cuts the fine in half? Still, that doesn't show me grace. But no, he, instead he comes to my car, reminds me of the crime I have committed by speeding, writes out the ticket with the fine being at the full amount, and then hands it to me. Then he reaches out and he takes the ticket back. He signs his own name in the guilty as charge spot. 
Then he turns the ticket in with his name on it. And then he pays the full amount of the fine with his own money. Some of y'all missed that. That's what grace looks like. I don't know what your life looks like right about now, but I'll tell you we serve an awesome God. He's so awesome, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You want to talk about the grace of God? You don't have to look very far. Because God has truly graced you for a long, long time. He's been better to you than you've even been to yourself. He's made so many things happen for you that you thought could never happen. Uh, what more could a saint or a sinner ask for? To be clothed in his grace. To be kept by his grace. To be enriched by his grace. To be strengthened by his grace to even be taught by his grace. Uh, and you ought to thank God this morning that you're molded by his grace. Uh, you're guided by his grace. Uh, and because you're guided by his grace, you can be used by his grace. Uh, so when I follow God, I don't follow God for the benefits that I can get. Um, I follow him because I can't live without him. I follow him because he gives me strength in my weakest hour. I follow him because he's the wisdom of the wise. He's the power of the powerful, the ancient of the days. He's the ruler of the rulers. He's the leader of many leaders. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the sovereign Lord over all that is and was and is to come. That doesn't mean that's the reason I follow him. His goal is to give me a relationship because I heard in his word that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He'll never mislead me. He'll never forget me. He'll never overlook me. He'll cancel my every appointment. When I fall, he lifts me up. When I fail, he forgives me. When I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm lost he's the way when I'm afraid he's my courage when I stumble he steadies me when I'm hurt he heals me when I'm broken he mends me when I'm blind he leads me when I'm hungry he feeds me when I face trial he walks with me it's something strange going on every time I call on him he always makes a way out of no way and you wonder why I say he's an awesome God, not because of what I heard, but because of what I know. Is there anybody here this morning who can give God the glory for the things he's done? Every time he does something, you ought to begin to give God the praise. You ought to give him everything he deserves. He's the first and the last. He's the keeper of creation. He's the manager of all times. He was bruised and he brought much healing. He was pierced and he eased my pain. He was persecuted and he brought me some freedom. He was dead but he brought some life. We serve an awesome God. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. And you wonder why I give him praise. Because every time I call him, 
is something about the name of Jesus. Anybody ever call on his name? I dare you to call on the name of Jesus. There's power in his name. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue must confess. I call him Jehovah Jireh. I call him Jehovah Nisi. Every time I call him, I've got to give him praise. Has God been good to anybody? If you got one thing you ought to praise him for, then you ought not be looking at me. You ought to be giving him glory. Can somebody give him praise? Come on, give him praise.